morning we have two readings. The first reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20, and that can be found in your church Bibles 1177. The armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and also always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The second reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 8, which is on page 1197 in the church Bibles. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearance. This is the word of the Lord. Um, as a family, once a week, we have a film night. It's one of the highlights of our week. Gather our kids together on a Friday evening. And we sit back, enjoy the sofa, and uh, if possible, some really simple and fairly trashy food. And we watch a film. 
And uh, last week we watched a film, it was just my kind of film, perfect film, it was called The Sentinel. It was a film about a secret service agent whose mission was to protect the President of the United States. It was full of uh, lots of uh, action and, uh, uh, and he was accused of being a traitor, but actually he was innocent. And of course he came out in the end uh, the winner and he was fighting against evil and he was winning, he was on the side of, the, of good. It wasn't too complicated a plot, it was my kind of film. We enjoyed it and it was great. But there was one moment in the film where I thought, oh, this is interesting. The, the plot's just going to get a little bit, you know, it's, the, the plot twisted because um, he's engaged in, a, in, a, in a, a gun shoot or whatever and he gets shot. He's the, he's the hero of the film. He gets shot and he goes down and you see him shot in the middle of his chest and he just goes down and you think, wait a minute, this is a film. He can't, you know, he can't get shot in the middle of the film. What's going on? And then after a few minutes, a few seconds of, of pause, he gets back up again. And he's perfectly fine. Why? Because he's wearing a bulletproof vest. Yes, I didn't think of that one. Subtle twist of plot. A bulletproof vest. Yes. Well, today we are talking about the bulletproof vest of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. We're in a series uh, where we're thinking about the armour that God gives us in order to stand and be under no illusion, life is sometimes a bit of a struggle. It can be like a battle, can't it? We can find ourselves in situations where we're having to struggle and push and everything seems to be uh, against us. Last week when we started this series, uh, we were reflecting on how the, the battle, very often we identify our enemies as being the people that are immediately in front of us, but actually that, that's not the thing at all. From a Christian point of view, the battles we face, it's, it's not about people, it's about dynamics. It's about spiritual dynamics. When we seek to build the kingdom of God around us, when we seek to bless each other, when we seek to step out of our comfort zone in order to do good, it naturally provokes reactions. And so we find ourselves in situations where we're struggling. And in those situations, thank God, we're not left alone. In fact, being in a struggle is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign for the Christian of strength. Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of me. In other words, if you're persecuted because you're a Christian, if things are hard because you're a Christian, if you have to take difficult stands at work against a form of injustice or you have to stand for what you believe to be right and you get back uh, backlash from that, it's not because you're weak, it's because you're strong. Paul at one point writing to the young Timothy says this, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Sometimes we have our life a little bit too comfortable and we forget that actually uh, it's not just life but it's the Christian life that is in many ways defined by the struggles, by the aspect of um, warfare almost, battles. Well, the question then is... <clears throat> When things get difficult for us, how do we stand firm? And that is where Paul is coming to in this letter. He's saying in writing to the Ephesian church exactly what the resources are that God gives to enable us as Christians to stand firm when things get difficult. And last week we saw that um, he gives a belt of truth to us. Now, this is interesting because Paul, remember, is in the midst of trouble himself when he's writing. He's in prison. He'd have every reason to be discouraged. 
and to lose his focus, but he knows exactly who he's following and exactly why he is doing what he does. And so instead of getting depressed and, and, and blaming everyone around him, he opens his eyes and he says, Lord, give me an understanding of what's going on. And next to him, he sees a Roman soldier. I'm imagining things, but he was in a cell. We know there'd have been a, a Roman soldier next to him. And, he, and he's inspired by this Roman soldier. And he sees in the armor of the Roman soldier a picture of all the things that God gives. So there's the first thing, the belt. The belt that, that for the Roman soldier brings everything together, makes sense. It's the, it's the belt that gathers up all the undergarments. It's the belt afterwards that gives that sense of identity and authority. Because of the belt of truth, Paul knows who he is. He knows who God is. But then Paul goes on and he's inspired by the next thing and it's this breastplate. The breastplate, the, the amazing um, bulletproof vest, spiritually speaking, that God gives to us in order to protect us. The breastplate was there for the uh, Roman soldier to, to protect his vital organs, to enable him to go forward without fear. And in the Christian life, our breastplate is given to us by God to protect us from accusations that come against us. You know that the spiritual enemy that we fight against is, is in Scripture called a number of different things. He's given different names. One of them is the father of lies. That's why the belt of truth is so important. Because when you have lies coming at you, you have to know what's true. But another, another one of those names in Scripture given to the spiritual enemy that we have against us who resists everything God wants to do is called the accuser. In Greek, it's Satan. It means the one who accuses and isn't it uh, a common experience that, that when we're trying to do things, we find ourselves getting discouraged because there's that little voice inside that's accusing us. How then do we stand in the face of, of accusation, either other people accusing us or, or the, 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 our, our inner mind accusing us or in spiritual terms, Satan who comes against us, telling us things like, well, you're not very good. You're not a good enough Christian. You didn't manage to do it again. You gave in to that same old sin. What good are you? Does that happen to you as well? Often just the same thing you struggle with time and time again, and you give in, and you hear that voice inside that says, huh, and you're going to preach tomorrow, and you did that. You're going to stand up in, at work, and you're going to, try and do what's right, and yet you can't even do that. And our little faults come and haunt us, don't they? And then Satan's great strategy is to take the little things and our little failures and then link them back with other previous examples of where we've done the same thing. So he sort of like tries to create this line and trace this line and say, you see, you've done it again. And as a result, we just sort of come under condemnation because we, we, we claim to be Christians, but we can't possibly live up to it. We're not at the right level. And so Satan just looks, sort of presents this picture, or it's a mirror image of who we are, and he says, so you think you're a Christian? Look at you. Sometimes he's a bit more subtle. Sometimes instead of uh, pointing out the things we do wrong, he points out the things we do right, and he says, you're so good. You're so righteous. You're much better than the others. And as a result, we get a sort of like spirit of judgment that comes in, where we set ourselves apart from other people, thinking that we're better than they are. 
But the end point is always the same. Satan comes in and he wants to prick our bubble by condemning us. Because however good we think we are, there comes a point where we let ourselves down and we let God down. And we find ourselves confronted with the truth, which is that we're not right. We're not good. We get things wrong just as much as anyone else. Satan, as the accuser, knows how to get under our skin. It's one of those subtle ways in which we find ourselves in a spiritual combat, a spiritual fight. Not just outside, but it's inside in our head. Actually, it becomes more difficult still if you think of the word righteousness. Okay? Now, righteousness obviously talks about being righteous. So there's an easy way for Satan to condemn us. Yeah, you're not righteous at all. But the word righteousness actually also means justice in Hebrew and in Greek. So we could translate this not only the breastplate of righteousness, but the breastplate of justice. That's even more difficult because then that encourages us to get on some sort of like, get on our high horse and do some sort of crusade for justice until we realize that actually the first person who lets the side down is us. Or we think of God as the judge who's coming in. Judgment. And we're the first ones who get condemned. The problem with the breastplate of righteousness is actually in some ways it it plays into Satan's hands. Because when we talk about righteousness, it actually reminds us of our own inability to be righteous, doesn't it? What on earth is Paul talking about when he says that we are given the breastplate of righteousness? I mean, if I take the breastplate of righteousness, the first thing I see is that I'm actually not very righteous. It's more of a discouragement than anything. If I translate it as the breastplate of justice, well, actually, I'm often on the side of injustice. It could almost be given to discourage us. That can't surely be what Paul is meaning. And here's the truth. It isn't what Paul's meaning at all. One of the amazing things about the armor that's given to us as Christians to stand firm in the spiritual fight is that it isn't our armor at all. It's not about our righteousness. We're not given a breastplate that is about how good we can be. It's God's righteousness. In fact, every piece of the armor that is given to Christians is God's armor. Yeah? So the belt of truth, it's not our truth. It's not because we speak truth that we can stand and know who we are. It's because God speaks truth over us. The breastplate of righteousness is not given because we're righteous. It's not given as some sort of reward for being good and behaving well at school. It's quite the opposite. It's because we're not righteous that God gives us what we lack. He gives us the gift of the righteousness that we need. And so the breastplate of righteousness is exactly what we need because we're not righteous in ourselves. If we went out in order to face the the, the enemy in our own strength, we would have no breastplate. But God gives us his armour and gives us what we need, what we don't have in ourselves. So the breastplate of righteousness, first of all, talks about God. God is righteous in the sense that he is right There is a rightness in God. Everything he does is right and good. And he longs for his creation to be like him. And he longs for his people to be at the front of the transformation of his world. 
right and doing right, just like he is right. There's a rightness about God, but God is also just because he's just doing the things that he should. He's just in the sense of it's just right. There's a just rightness about God that we do not have. And the amazing thing for Christians is that the armour that's given us is the armour we need. It's God's armour. It is just right. And when God gives us the breastplate of righteousness, he's giving us a gift of himself. You understand that? He's giving us things that we haven't got. I am not just right. Believe me, at seven o'clock in the morning, I am not just right. You ask Uta. But God gives me the gift every day of his righteousness, his just rightness. That means he can place me exactly where he wants and it's just right. That means he can work on me so that I become just right in every situation. It's a gift that he gives. Now that goes against our sort of religious spirit because we tend to think that religious people are those who are better, morally speaking, than others. Now, of course, that's the aim. But the religious spirit, we, we sort of fall into the trap of imagining that it's because we're better that therefore we have the right to do certain things. That's completely the wrong way around. Actually, it's rather a good thing that the enemy comes in to accuse us and tell, tell us that we're not right. Not because that discourages us, but because it brings us to the point of truth. The starting point, the starting point for the gospel is always realising we're not right. That we don't have what we need. It's not thinking that we're great. It's realising we're not. But then receiving the gift of goodness from God. And that's what changes things. Not our own abilities, but God's ability. Not our own strength, but God's strength. Not our rightness, but God's rightness. Not our justice, but God's justice. And it's given as a gift. And that is a very, very different way of living. There was a young monk in the, in the Middle Ages who spent his time trying to honour God as best he could. He did the religious things. He, he was very sincere doing it. He prayed. He, 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 he went regularly to church. He gave away. He fasted. He did lots of those things. And yet deep, deep down in himself, he knew that despite all those things, his own heart wasn't right. And he was, he was um, torn apart inside by the, the knowledge, the secret inner knowledge that there was a difference between the outward persona and the inward heart. Try as he would with the outward gestures, he still had a heart that got angry. He still was selfish. He couldn't live out that rightness that God wanted from him. And that, that monk found himself in a position of teaching, a bit like H or me, a vicar in a church. There you are preaching and yet you know in your heart that you're not up to it. You're not better than anyone else. What's your qualification for preaching? Well, this young monk found himself preaching and, and he found that he needed to teach the Bible. And so there he was trying to work out how to, and, and he had a, a lecture series that he had to do on, on Paul's letter to the Romans. And, and he, got, he got to a particular verse in, in, that, in that 
letter really early on in the, in the letter and he just couldn't understand it. He couldn't get past it. The verse goes like this. It goes, Paul says this, look, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. For in the gospel, the justice of God is revealed. A justice that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the just will live by faith. Now, the problem with, for the monk was he knew he wasn't just before God. And so he saw God's justice as an extremely negative thing. The justice of God is there to punish sinners, of which he was one. How could that possibly be good news? Or change it, because it's the same word, the righteousness of God. If God is perfect and righteous, then surely he's going to condemn those who are not like him. Now this monk wrestled with that for months until finally he saw things completely the other way around. This is what he wrote in his diary. He says this, I hated the word justice of God, which I'd been taught to understand as referring to the justice by which God is just and punishes sinners and the unjust. But I, blameless monk that I was, felt that before God, I was a sinner with an extremely troubled conscience. I didn't love, no, rather I hated the just God who punishes sinners because I was one of them. I constantly, he says, badgered St. Paul about that spot in Romans and anxiously wanted to know what he meant. And then he says this, I began to understand that this verse means that the justice of God revealed through the gospel is that by which the merciful God justifies us by faith. As it is written, the just person lives by faith. In other words, the justice of God is not a condemning justice, it's a restorative justice. The justice of God is not there to condemn sinners, it's there to give them what they lack, to make them just. And this young man, monk went on and he said, Immediately I saw the whole of scripture in a different light. I ran through the scriptures and found that other terms had similar meanings. The work of God, that is, the, what God works out in us. The power of God, that by which he makes us powerful. The wisdom of God, that by which he makes us wise. The strength of God, the salvation of God, the glory of God. They're all given to make us into things we're not yet. He said, at that moment, I felt I'd been born again and entered into paradise itself through open gates. He realized that the justice of God isn't there to condemn, it's there to make us just, to make us what we're not. The name of the monk was Martin Luther and he set in motion a revolution because he understood that God loves us first and gives us the gift of righteousness, of justice. He makes us right. He makes us just, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done in Jesus Christ. That's actually what Paul is talking about throughout his whole letter to the Roman church. He starts by saying in the first few chapters of Romans that we've all got it wrong, whether we're Jewish or whether we're not Jewish or whether we're English or whether we're not English, whether we've got three degrees or we've not got any degrees, whether we're male or female, young or old, we all have a problem of the heart. And that is our starting point. We're all in this together. We've all got a problem. And then Paul goes on in Romans to say, but God, who is right, gives us his rightness to make us right. He gives us his justness to make us just right. And he does it through Jesus Christ as a gift. 
Now, interestingly, in Romans, Paul then goes on to say that actually living that out is a battle. It's a battle against sin in our lives. It's a battle against death. It's a battle against the legal frameworks. It's a battle. But fundamentally, it's not a battle for our identity because that is given to us. We are declared right. We are given a sense of, of belonging. It's like, it's like God comes along and, and gives us his clothes. The breastplate of righteousness, it's God coming and saying, okay, these, these are Jesus' clothes. If you trust in Jesus, I'll give you the clothes. Just, just stand up a minute, Shelley. Look, it's like this. Look, Shelley. See, look, those are, those are lovely clothes, but look at that denim jacket. Just look at that denim jacket. Shelley. Shelley, I mean, frankly, that won't do. No, don't take it off. No, it's fine. Look, look, I'll give you a beautiful white robe. Oh, Shelley, doesn't she look beautiful now? Wonderful. Look, I will give you the belt of truth as well. There you go. That's your belt of truth. Let's give you a badge, Shelley. This is a badge that says who you are. It's an all areas pass. That's what God gives us. You understand that, don't you? When we come to Christ, God gives us his clothes. He gives us his all areas pass. And it says on the pass, oh, it says Siamak. No, it says Jesus. Because it's, he's good. Okay, you, can, you can keep those on because you look great. Can you understand? When God gives us the breastplate of righteousness, he's giving us his own clothes. We don't, we don't, we're not like some fraud who's pretending to be something they're not. We know we're not righteous. We know we're not good. But because God gives us his clothes, he equips us and then little by little transforms us. He gives us his all areas pass. He lets us go everywhere. We, know, we don't fear anything now. Everything becomes possible in the fight. We can stand firm because we know what he's given us. Change the image. In, in the Bible, it talks about us being adopted into God's family. Isn't that beautiful? When you adopt a child, you choose the child. Age five or six, seven or eight, the adopted child age 10, the adopted child age 12. Imagine somebody comes along and says, you shouldn't be having that name. What are you doing here? And the adopted child turns around and says, I was chosen, I'm part of this family. That's my name. That's who I am. That's what God does in Christ. He gives us his identity. He, he brings us into his family. So it doesn't matter how much Satan accuses us, saying you're not good enough, we just show the all areas pass. We show the clothes, we say we've been adopted, don't mind what you say, it's not because we're good that we've been adopted, it's because he loves us. And actually when we know we're not righteous, it's a great starting point because then we rely on him and not on ourselves. So it is that the fight in the Christian life is actually a really good thing. Because it reminds us where our strength comes from. That's why Paul, in his letters, calls it the good fight. Time and again, when he's talking to other Christians, in fact, Paul, one of, one of his, he's a mentor for one of the younger Christians who's called Timothy. We had the, the letter to Timothy earlier. Regularly, when Paul writes to this young Christian in order to encourage him to grow as a Christian, in order to encourage him to, 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 to live out his faith wherever he is, regularly, Paul says, fight the good fight. It's not because Paul's obsessed with difficult things. It's because he understands that through the fight, God changes us. 
God teaches us things. And the first thing this morning that God teaches us is that it's not about us at all. It's not our goodness or our righteousness or our justice or our things. It's all about him. He gives us his clothes. He gives us the all area pass. He gives us his name. We are Christians, Christians. It's all about him. And Paul writing to Timothy says that. He says, focus, 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 focus on Jesus Christ. Whatever happens, Jesus Christ. That's who you belong to. That's where you get your identity. Fight the good fight. Focus on Jesus. In our reading, we heard it. He said, preach the word, Jesus. Because without Jesus, we have nothing. But with Jesus, we have righteousness. We are given what we need. Very interesting, that letter we had at the end of Paul's life almost, probably the very, very last thing Paul wrote before he died. Yet again, Paul is in prison. This is probably AD 64, sort of 35 years after Jesus was crucified. Paul's getting older and he writes to young Timothy. Now, now we we have to understand that, that Timothy was probably with Paul when he wrote the letter to the Ephesians, okay? Timothy may well have been in the cell with Paul. Timothy saw the Roman soldier. Perhaps Timothy discussed with Paul about the armor of God. But one of the very, very, very last things that Paul says to Timothy, he says, fight the good fight. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Fight the good fight. And then the next chapter, right at the end, 2 Timothy 4, it's what we read. He said, he says this, I... I'm getting towards the end of my life. He says, I have fought the good fight. He says, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Now it's not a breastplate, it's a crown, okay? The crown of righteousness. Because there will be one day where there's no more warfare. You know that, don't you? There is a promise for Christians that it's not all struggle. There will be a day when we find ourselves before the Lord and there won't be needing, we won't be needing a breastplate anymore. We won't need protection from the enemy because there won't be any fighting because everything will be defeated. And in that day, God loves recycling things. He'll take our breastplates and he'll recycle them. He'll melt down the metal and he'll make them into crowns, crowns of righteousness. That's what we're promised. That's who we are, children of the king. Not because of us, but because of him. So there we go, our breastplate. Isn't that great? Friends, this week, when you find yourselves in situations where you're discouraged, where you feel that the, the, the accuser coming in, telling you you are not good enough, tell him he's right. And then tell him why it's so important. It's because we're not good enough that the good God comes and gives us what we need. And that's the starting point. We have our breastplate of righteousness, not our righteousness, the righteousness of God given as a gift and it keeps us strong it's better than any sort of bulletproof vest even if it is in a you know a good action movie because God is real and is with us today let's just um be be quiet for a moment shall we and as we pray let's just focus on that God who is right, who is just, who is good, who is loving, and who gives us what we don't have. And he gives it freely. Let's just pray.
Paul says this, there is no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. What will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and and he's praying for us. Lord, we just this morning thank you that you don't require us to be good in order to use us. That the breastplate of righteousness you give us is not our own righteousness. So we have no reason to boast. But it's your goodness and your righteousness given to us freely as a gift. And this morning we receive that gift, Lord. We thank you that we can stand. We can stand as your ambassadors. We can stand as your representatives. We can stand in the battle because you've chosen us. Because you declare us righteous in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. And we trust you. And we receive that afresh.